Welcome to Drunk Art Review. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the podcast where everybody from teetotal to blind ass drunk is free to give their honest opinions on all forms of art. Yes, we are. And also, we've got some slightly better sound quality this week. Now, hopefully you can hear me better than you have had to put up with for the last few weeks rather than random video <laughs> calls and... Technology is a marvellous thing. No, no, it's so much better. So I have to thank LED Creative for that because I did a podcast with the dude who runs LED Creatives and he was like, just follow this link. And I was like, what is this sorcery? And then we recorded the whole thing on there. So I was like, you know what? I'm stealing this idea and we're going to do it now. So I mean, hopefully it works pretty well. Well, you know, we've got our fingers crossed that this all comes out in post. I can do a bit of magic, we'll be fine. So what am I doing? What? what? <laughs> I was giving you space to introduce the topic. Oh, okay. So I'm going to... Oh, so now... Okay, I'm introducing the topic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, this week we are talking about painted words. And by painted words, we don't just mean written word in general, because we will probably in the future do a poetry and prose episode, you know, and get someone in to chat about that. But this is more words being used within pieces of art. So um, whether it's in advertising or whether it's in the background of something or it's the main focus. So that's what we mean by painted words. And I mean, you'll get some visualization ideas of this when you um, check out the Instagram and you'll kind of get what we mean. So that is our, our topic this week. And I did find some lovely artists to talk about. I'm always excited when you've been like, I've been doing some research and I've got some banging people to talk about. And I'm like, yes, tell me now. But then I was like, no, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait yeah. for the recording. Yeah, I mean, I've got some bangers that we can share on the on the page, mm-hmm. but I've chosen one in particular. Yeah. Particularly stuck with me. So yeah, I can get into it if you like. Or... Yeah, definitely. Go, go right ahead. So um, I've just sent Rosie a picture of my chosen artist for this week and her name is Jenny Holzer. That's my girl this week. There were lots of other ones that nearly were top contenders, but Jenny Holzer was my chosen one this week. So tell me what you're seeing, Rosie, on her Instagram profile. Well, it's fantastic. Seriously, she's projecting words across giant, well-known buildings. They've got the Rockefeller there that you sent me just now. And these are really thoughtful, in-your-face statements as well. And they kind of have that LED neon feel. I mean, at the moment, of course, with so much of like the COVID and Black Lives Matter that's going on right now, I think quite a lot of that is really profound that's being put on her page at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, she does do other installations as well with the words, so she will actually use LED signs and structures in installations inside as well. Yeah, yeah. She does lots of different things with these words, but you'll kind of get get an idea of that as I go through Mm -hmm. and chat about her a bit more. So just to give you a background on Jenny Holes, she was born July 29th, 1950, and she is an American neo-conceptual artist based in New York. And the main focus of her work, as you can probably imagine, is the delivery of words and ideas in public spaces. Mm -hmm. The public being able to access her work is kind of integral to it. Yeah. Generally, when you see her pieces, which you can probably see on her page, they're really large scale. So we're talking advertising billboards, projections on buildings or like other architectural structures and like really brightly lit illuminated electronic displays. Mm. She's been doing a lot of work with LED signs and they've become one of the most kind of visible mediums. But she works through loads of different things. So she she does a lot of street posters. I mean, she kind of started with the words street posters, which again, I'll explain in a minute, and painted signs. Um, And she's even done things like t-shirts for Willie Smith. She does paintings, photography, sound and video for like installations. She uses the internet, these kind of things as well. And she's also done um, something for BMW with one of their race cars. She's done loads and loads of different things. It's really interesting when you start diving in. Yeah, I was gonna say, it wasn't one of the things Jenny holds that she wanted you to be able to perceive 
her work, even if you, you just happen to glance upon it. Like, so she'd like to put words in the bottom of her coffee mugs and, and yeah, and on the page you can see she's got them on like condoms and things like that too. Places that you just happen to be in a moment of concentration or you're just looking around, you gaze upon her words and it kind of sparks off that thought process, which I, I really like with her stuff. I mean, a lot of people kind of mistake it for like advertising because yeah. it's just words that are just there when it's actually like an art piece that she's placed there. Mm. So I just think she's really interested and I delved a bit more into her work. Her text-based lights projections have been kind of central to her practice since about 96. As of 2010, her LED signs have become more sculptural. So that's what I was talking about. There were some that I found that were really beautiful. I think there was one in kind of like a uh, lilac room and the LED signs kind of wrapped around it. It was beautiful, really lovely stuff. So Holzer became quite celebrated for these things called truisms, created this series called Truisms in her mid-twenties and she'd enrolled in the Whitney Museum of American Arts. She became really well known for these things that she created called truisms. So truisms was a series that she created in her mid-twenties and that was when she was enrolled in the Whitney Museum of American Arts um, study programme which was really well renowned and that was back in 1977. So at the time, and this will make you laugh, so at the time Holzer was committed to becoming an abstract painter like Mark Rothko. What? Because I've had to mention Mark Rothko and you know how I feel about him. But <laughs> I love Rothko. Much respect for you, Mark, but you just your work isn't for me and that's that, okay? Like, yeah, well, he, he, was, he was a bit of a depressed man. Um, I think he killed himself, so a little bit dark. Oh. You know, respect to, respectful and understanding of your work, but it's, it's just not my bag, you know. But anyway, so she was kind of at the time really committed to becoming this um, abstract painter. And her intentions shifted dramatically to text-based creations because the school's tutor, Ron Clark, he assigned the students there this really huge reading list, huge, massive reading list. And Holzer was quoted as saying, he gave us a wonderful yet absolutely daunting reading list that happily I reacted against. And then she goes on to say, I reduced all the reading to one-liners. She'd taken this reading list, this huge, wonderful reading list that she loved, but also was like, hell no. <laughs> and recreated them through one-liners, which became known as truisms. So she had this kind of like really rebellious side to it, which was great. So she printed her one-line summaries and then she just posted them all over Manhattan. And um, they, the truisms, have, as they're known, have expanded to include over 300 different slogans. Oh, wow. So just to give you an idea of what some of them are, these truisms. So there's categorizing fear is calming. Another one would be abuse of power comes as no surprise. And one more, romantic love was invented to manipulate women. <laughs> These are fascinating. Yeah, so her work is really, um, a lot of her work anyway, is kind of focused on questioning consumerism and there's quite a lot of darker stuff there. So she would describe kind of torture and death and disease. And the whole point of it, it was meant to agitate people and disturb people and really make them think about certain subjects. So that was kind of the idea between these, between her text a lot of the time, which kind of then leads me on to thinking of the things about torture and the darkness. And it leads me on to the piece of work in particular that I wanted to talk about tonight on the podcast. So now you can go and have a look at the other images that I've sent you, Miss Alexander. Okie dokie, I'm going for it. You know, what I love about these artists is they're all so prominent within New York City. It's like, in New York, you can just do all of this. You can show like these giant statements and provoke people's thought patterns. Are these tattoos? 
No, they're written on skin. I believe some people have had them tattooed. I think some people have had them tattooed. Yeah, I can see why. But um, just to give you a bit of background, so the piece of artwork that I've sent to Rosie that you guys cannot see, but you will be able to if you check out the Drunk Art Review <laughs> Instagram page. So the piece itself is called Lust Maud, mm -hmm. and this was created between 93 and 94. And just to give you an idea, the word Lust Maud is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, so if there's any German speakers, please help me out here. That's a German word? Yep. Well, I believe she has German heritage with the name Holzer, possibly. I might need to double check that. But the word Lustmord is taken from a German word and that word um, means sexually inspired murder. Oh my God. So it's quite a dark topic. Yeah. Lustmord was created as a response to the methodical rape and the murder of women that occurred as a result of the irrational act of ethnic cleansing during the Bosnian War. Holy shit. I'm fascinated by this. It is heavy. And this is something that, you know, this has happened recently, historically wise. Yeah, I mean, that isn't long ago at all, really. No, and it was created to draw attention to the Brutal Act, because I think she felt that people weren't discussing it enough and helping enough. So there was this massive Bosnian war, and you cannot imagine the horrors that went on within it. And there were ethnic cleansing, and there were so much violence, and oh. Oh my god. This is the thing, if things um, aren't within the world's public eye, they kind of get brushed aside because when things are that dark and it isn't on the news, people tend to brush it aside. They, they put it under the mat because people generally want to live in a happier environment in their own headspace. So they, they try not to believe that these horrific things are happening, but it's only when it's consistently in front of our faces. Like now with the Black Lives Movement, because it's in the forefront of our mind, we're having to think about it, we're having to talk about it, we're having to share things. So a lot of the stuff within history, you know, even in the early 90s, it, we had a lot of journalism, these horrific things being advertised, but mm. it wasn't reaching the masses. No. Because we didn't have social media, we didn't have the ability to reach those corners of the world where you can then change people's minds. Mm, and it's also that very kind of like out of sight, out of mind thing, I think. So Yeah, definitely. I don't think people really realised quite how horrific it was if they didn't know <sighs> much about it. That's why she created this work. So the work was three poems that she created and they recounted sex crimes that took place during the time. And they there's three perspectives. So there's three poems with three perspectives. So one is that of the victim. One is that of the perpetrator and one is that of the observer. Oh my God. As you can imagine, some of the things in these poems, you just, it just makes you viscerally like, oh. It sounds horrific. It, it just, you cannot imagine like the brutality. It adds the sense of voyeurism to it as well, you know, because you've got the person who's observing it and not acting upon it or is unable to act on it. Normally within these um, situations, you'll only have the attacker and the victim. But in this scenario, you have the observer as well, meaning that whatever's going on is being highlighted and it's visible. Yeah, and like her works are meant to, they she wanted people to feel uncomfortable because she wanted people to know this was happening and that it needed attention bringing to it, essentially. So it, it's not a not an easy read. Um, and if you're sensitive to these kind of topics, probably don't go and read the Lust Maud poems because they'll probably, you'll probably find them quite upsetting. But if you've got, if you're able to stomach it, go and give them a read because it will give you kind of more of an insight to what was going on at the time. But it was meant to make people feel uncomfortable because she wanted to draw attention to it. That was the whole point. So it served its purpose in that respect. So when she originally created it, it was just poems. 
and then from that it was then translated into different formats. At one point it's been used in an LED installation. Um, I believe I read somewhere that it had been put up onto the walls of a like the interior of a house that people could then go in and read. And then there was a magazine called Student Deutsch Zeitung which then commissioned Holzer um, and she had to reproduce up close photos of the text and it was handwritten onto skin which are the images that I sent Rosie. So was that the last act with the words then? Like a sort of ex exhibition with the words? I'm not sure if she still shows them in different formats today. I mean, from my understanding, that was kind of like the latest way she's used it. Okay. But I don't know if they reappear occasionally in her other pieces nowadays, but that, that was, yeah. I understand that was like a piece of work that was kind of focused on those times. And I, particularly I found the, the bit where she had to re reproduce it by writing on people's skin. I found that even more real because it was on flesh. It makes it more tangible and it brings the words into reality, I think. Yeah, because when it's on paper, I mean, reading it on paper is bad enough in the first place, but reading extracts that have been written onto somebody's skin, there's just something about it that just makes it that much more, like, jarring. Mm. Just thought it was a really interesting and important piece of work and that the fact that it highlighted such a horrific and important thing in our history. It really struck me that she was using her art to bring such attention to such horrible things. Having such strong words is that they do reverberate through time and they last. You can use the words again and again and again in so many different formats and they still have the same power and you can sort of elevate them to different exhibitions and in different formats but the words are still the same. There's a lot of power with Jenny Holzer. Yeah, I think it's just her work is very, it's not, we've spoken before on podcasts about how, you know, people react to art differently. And I think the intention with her art is that it makes you uncomfortable. I think that's what she is really aiming to do because she wants you to think about these things. I feel like it kind of goes a little bit beyond art. Mm. It's proactive and it's informative. And it's kind of that wonderful sense of um, amazing, enlightened way of delivering facts and historical information and things that you really need to know about in an artistic way. Mm. It's informing you while also being in a nuanced installation, you know, it's incredible. Yeah, I just think that artwork like Jenny Holzer's is incredibly important to our social history. Art doesn't have to mean anything. It doesn't have to be a particular thing. It can just be something that you look at and enjoy. But a lot of art, there is such a importance within our social history and the recordings of things that have happened that sometimes might get lost one way or another. I mean, I hopefully in a digital age as we are, less things are likely to get lost. But there's just something really striking about it personally as I say it's not something that's easy to view and I mean most of the artwork I tend to hang in my house are things that I enjoy looking at whereas that kind of artwork it, it's not easy to look at because it's the thing when you start thinking about the things that must have gone on you can't even comprehend it it's devastating mm. so as a thought-provoking piece and as an important piece of our social history I think her work is just just incredible really well, that's the thing. History, we like to think when we grow up and we're in history classes, we like to think that history is basic fact. Mm. I think that history, and as you grow up, you realise that history is a very artistic way of deducting and adding things that have happened. And it's the interpretation of what's happened. It's never a basic equation, you know? It is always having a very integral connection with feelings and 
actions and how people survived or lived through things yeah. it's so much more than just factual it's history and art reflects that and i think having social art history is integral for us to understand things beyond just having an abc factoid you know definitely i think there are things that we learn in the history books that are obviously brilliantly factual and important but the things that they miss out on are the things that the writers and the painters, the music makers, the poets, they reflect the emotions of the people that are involved that might just get lost sometimes in the history books because there's such big things going on that they're recording those and then you forget about sometimes the human experience. I think we're as a society, we're trying to get better about remembering those human experiences. But I think it's really important that things are done to remember them. And I think all the arts are very good at capturing that and reflecting that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like um, we only seem to care about history uh, when we're uh, given an emotional response to it when we're connected with feelings when something horrific happens we feel for them we we feel for the event that took place you know that's why we have such an understanding of how wars have been recently because these hor absolutely horrific things have happened and we can place ourselves within them because we can we've been able to read words from people who survived it or died during it you know it it brings it home and it brings it to a really relevant place within our sight so when we have a connection with history it's through that emotional feeling yeah and i mean obviously there are things that you can try and understand it as much as you can there are things that you can never obviously understand unless you've been there but it's good to be able to access somebody's thoughts and emotions that has lived it to give you a better idea and a better understanding. And yeah, so I, that's why I just think that, I mean, I just was really drawn to this piece. And I don't know why, it just struck me that it was something important and I really needed to talk about it. I had no idea that she had done the Lust Maud poems. Like I had no idea that they were that. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you kind of went more in depth with that because it's, it brings the importance to it back. I think artwork does that allows you to connect with something and understand it just a little bit more mm. and not just go through life ignorant yeah yeah so sorry for being a downer guys I didn't have a happy airy fairy one it got a bit heavy towards the end there it's so important to share these kind of things and it's a really crucial part of artwork art is activist it is forward thinking it's remembering and it's um, reflecting on our own society you know but i think what i like most about these jenny holzer pieces is that a lot of them have this kind of ephemeral feel to them even though the words are so, so strong and so permanent within history they are they're light their drawings on the skin you see the photographs of these pieces so really they're kind of pieces that you go and live within mm. you go and see the exhibition you experience it there and then seeing giant words on the side of a building has so much of a more of an effect on you than you know seeing the photograph but you still have that connection with it so is she still uh, alive and uh, making work today oh yeah she's still going as far as well, I mean, I think that's her updating her page Oh shit, I should have realised that. <laughs> but yeah, so if you guys are interested in seeing what Jenny Holzer has done previously and what she's doing at the moment, um, she is on Instagram and we'll link her on our profile, but you can just search her name and she'll come up. I'm giving her a follow right now. However dark that was, it was wonderful and I'm so glad that you went into depth with it. I'm glad you enjoyed.
You see, as ever, my uh, my ones is a bit weird, and I think I've definitely spoken to you about this before, Ooh. but I don't think I've spoken about it on the show, so I wanted to talk a little bit about it myself. Mm. What I'm going to talk about is from film, but I still think that even though it is just essentially a credit sequence, I think that um, portrays a lot within it. So um, I feel like I'm waffling now. Hold on, I'm sweating a bit. <laughs> oh, oh. You did such a good job with your one, and I'm just gonna like, here, here's my one. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I tried to like make like up the game this week because I'm sorry, guys, for our, on our last one, our creatures one. Just, just a public service announcement. I wasn't feeling <laughs> very well last time, so I'm sorry that my energy dipped towards the end, and I'm sorry I, I was desperate to do justice to my mentioned artists, Willow or Wally, and Brian <laughs> away, but I was just absolutely knackered and completely out of it. So I'm so sorry, guys, if my energy dipped last time, but I'm, I'm back, I'm back, I'm fighting. Well, honestly, yeah, you've done a fantastic job. You're gonna absolutely blow me up. You've blown me out of the water already. I'm just gonna ramble about <laughs> something or other. <laughs> no, you, go. you rambled, like, go for it, girl. Okay, well, who I'm gonna talk about today is Gaspar Noe. He is a director and he's done quite a lot of controversial films. Mm -hmm. Pretty much all of his films are very controversial. Um, and the film in particular, or rather the credit sequence, the introduction credit sequence, um, is from Enter the Void. Okay. Which was made in 2009, mm -hmm. which I'm, I'm sure I've definitely told you about this before, because essentially this is a film that I took my friends to go see in the first year of uni, like the first term. <laughs> um, and it was like to, it was like towards this like low-key film festival, Angler Ruskin, and it was, uh, they had sex, drugs and rock and roll, and they had a different film for each, you know, sex, drugs mm -hmm. and rock and roll each one had a different film uh, and anyway so they played like performance which had Mick Jagger being Mick Jagger in it I'm not sure if you've seen that film it's a fucking weird film actually you should definitely check it out <laughs> and then some other weird ones about drugs and but anyway this enter the void right the one that we went to go see and believe me I took like 20 of my friends and these are all friends that I only knew for about like a month or two <laughs> Rosie's got a brilliant way of introducing herself to people. I, right, right. And uh, anyway, I <laughs> I took them along to this director's cut and oh my God, it's four hours of the weirdest fucking shit. Four hours? It's four, it's like four hours. It was director's cut. The original is the, the cinema version is two hours. And for some mm. reason they were like, yeah, we're gonna put on the four hour edition because obviously it was like film students and they wanted to show it on a screen. This film festival, by low key, I really mean low key. It was probably only about five other people in there and then me bringing in 20 other people into this cinema. <laughs> and anyway, this is how I introduced myself to all these people. And it's okay, because I think this kind of set the standard for what they enjoyed about me. They knew I was a bit weird and I liked some interesting weird stuff. And to be fair, first year of uni, first term, this is the kind of stuff you're gonna watch, isn't it? It's gonna be the weird ass films, and it's gonna be the stuff that like expands your mind a little bit and, and shows you stuff behind the curtain, you know? I don't know if I watched any of that in the first term of uni. I think I was too busy getting drunk. Oh, believe me, this film makes you drunk. It's, it's mental. Um, <laughs> I, actually, I actually did my dissertation on it, so I was like, woo! Um, but anyway, let me let me go into it. So Gaspino, he is a director and he is known to be controversial. He made a film called Irreversible, which is horrific and it has it has a really long, horrible rape scene within it, um, which has kind Ooh. of been profoundly talked about within cinema since it's been made. Um, and he was actually Ooh. like one of the first guys to really incorporate CGI that was unrecognizable within film. And he made the, you know, the penis within this, the rape scene 
um, CGI, which at the time, this was like the very early 90s, this was just never done. This was like before the Matrix, that kind of stuff where they used um, CGI and cameras and stuff, but this, he actually did that. So he really pushed the barriers when it came to using CGI within film. Um, and anyway, his his way of shooting films, anyway, like the, the cinematography and things like that are always mind blowing. He just has a different way of creating yeah. films. So anyway, the opening sequence of Enter the Void, um, if you search for it on YouTube, the initial minute, minute 09, that's when the music kicks in. Mm. Before that, it's kind of a little bit like a microphone's been left on. It has that mm. resonating sound. And he's a guy who loves making credit sequences punch you in the face and he's always been really known for them sometimes he'll put them halfway through a film or he'll put them at the very very beginning and he won't have a credit sequence at the end he tends to make art pieces of film um but anyway with enter the void once the music kicks in you just have this epileptic sequence of all these names in different fonts one after the other to the beat of this techno jam and they layer upon one another and you're kind of drawn into this trance of yeah. watching it which in turn reflects what the film is actually about and how it starts mm. in the same way that jenny holzer has all these neon signs that's what you're experiencing within this minute sequence. I would say people who have epilepsy, I wouldn't watch it because it does incur heavy seizures. Mm. Genuinely, that's something that you shouldn't watch. Put it up on my screen now so I can see some of the imagery. No, that's cool, that's cool. I'm glad you're looking at it. I definitely should have sent you the video. Oh, all right. So yeah, the sequence is this super energetic, disorientating club sequence. Mm -hmm. So you're you're drawn into it like a trance, letters appearing so quickly, but you read everything. It's a little bit mm -hmm. like when they did those car adverts that had, you can read everything that we're saying and we're doing it at this amount of speed. Do you remember those adverts? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I have a memory of it. Yeah, I remember watching that in the cinema. The thing is, I think if I was watching a sequence like that, because I have to be careful sometimes when I watch a 3D film, because sometimes they make me feel a bit carsick. Yeah, yeah. It does make you feel carsick. I mean, I'm someone who genuinely gets carsick in a car, but watching this, I can sit through it and enjoy it, but when you're taking too much time, or if you're in the, 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 the cusp of a headache or something like that, honestly, it just takes you over the edge. So only watch it if you're in peak physical condition, <laughs> um, you're ready to run a marathon, that you're ready to go, you know? It's one of those really energetic films. Yeah. But anyway, this one hit me so much because within Enter the Void, you have movements of camera that you've never seen before. He usually has quite heavy themes of drugs throughout his films. And yeah. this reflects his experiences of trying the ayahuasca ceremony. Mm. Have you heard about that? Essentially, you go into a forest and- Oh, is this the, I'm sure this is the one you've told me about before and you're like, oh, it'd be so good to cleanse. And I'm like, you're fucking yeah. mad, don't you? <laughs> exactly, yeah, um, I mean, Looking more more in depth into it is definitely something that you, you only go and do if you're sort of really into it because you throw up, you have to have someone there really to have like a, essentially have a spirit guide with you, like a person to walk you through it because it purges your whole body and you experience memories of your life that you've never seen before and it's very trance inducing so I think within his films and within these ceremonies that he's been to, because not many people can do them because they are part of a culture, yeah. which is a very small tribe within the forest, within the jungle. I'm not entirely sure where. I should have researched that. But he makes visual representation of this profound way of seeing the world when he's been on these drug trips. Yeah. When you are within the film, because there are certain sequences within the film, especially like in the beginning of Enter the Void, where a genuine first person perspective of the person um, smoking 
And as he shuts his eyes, you then go into these sort of spirograph patterns that happen above you. And then as he sort of pulls back out of it and then looks in the mirror and he's looking directly at himself, you're seeing things with these neon colors and it's kind of a little bit like you're seeing life like you're this ancient god on another plane like seriously it's yeah. transcendent and as much as all powerful things create it's kind of the destruction too um so his films go hand in hand with those two dynamics pulling against each other so yeah. you have um these really euphoric feelings of being high being on drugs and you know having sex and all these other things but then you have like the destruction of death and um being a spirit like you you get shot and you, you like you you are the person within the film being shot and then you levitate over your body within those films you have this push and pull so yeah getting back to the credit sequence in some way he's been able to encompass this emotion within the film just with text you have this sense of excitement and and anxiety just from watching yeah. this one minute sequence of words of the fi of the people within the film. And he does this really amazingly within one of his other films that only came out in like 2018 called Climax. Right. And this film was based on, uh, loosely based on a, an actual event that happened in a 90s club right. where everyone got drugged and essentially it turned into hell. But his credit scene within this um, film. It's at the same pace and certain colours change to denote these are the musicians and it doesn't explain it, it just says Daft Punk, all these other musicians like bam 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 and you're just hovering above the floor looking down onto the ground because the whole climax film is about music, it's about dance but for each of the, the people who are important with making the film they flash up so quickly with a, a, a sign next to their name and somehow you're able to digest everything that's coming at you and you kind of come at the end of it you're like I, how do i know all of these people have been in within this film you could ask yourself to try and repeat some of the names and some of them will just stick within your mind yeah i'm not explaining myself very well <laughs> but um when it comes to credit sequences within film i think yeah. Gaspino takes you to another level instead of it just being like you know a cityscape where they're like you know some jazzy music and you know the names scroll across he makes an art piece out of just telling you who's in the film yeah it's important it's an important part of like the introduction it's not just a gentle like here's the film it's like a bam bam you're like there yeah absolutely it's getting you in the zone yeah yeah and like i say it creates these feelings of anxiety um, at like the impending two dynamics, like I say, like creation and destruction. There are mm. always those two things within his films. So you go in knowing that there's gonna be this and that. Um, so yeah, having, having these credit sequences, either at the beginning or jarringly like in the middle, it just throws you off your game. It's a really integral part within his films. And I don't think I explained it very well, but I just wanted to talk about how much I really enjoy it. And I really love club, club trance music. So <laughs> whenever I hear them or watch them, I'm like, oh my God, I'm there. I'm in the club. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> even though like my film recommendations are always going to be a little bit off the cuff because I do have those interests, um, but Enter the Void and Climax, which was last year. Climax has the most amazing dance sequence I have ever seen. And it's all in one take. Wow. And these are actual dancers as well. Like, oh, amazing. And there's all this underground club and it's got this red 
oh, like, oh, it's amazing. Like, I'll send that to you after this and I'll put it on our um, page as well, just so you can experience it. Mm. I'll actually put, put all the sequences on there with like a little warning about epilepsy because genuinely, don't watch these films if you have that. Yeah, we don't, we don't want anyone getting poorly. Yeah, yeah. But in the same way that um, your artist, Jenny Holzer, tries to highlight and bring to the forefront these horrific things and important things and things that you need to know about. Yeah. And very factually. I think Gaspar Noe uh, does that with certain aspects of his own experiences. How to word it? He, because uh, he, he reflects a lot on, even though he has these drug sequences and a lot of them feel like they're very fantasy based, there's a grit and there's um, a, a precedence within his film that goes beyond just watching a film. It's like yeah. you're learning about something and you're seeing something differently. And you especially get that within Climax because essentially it's a descent into hell when you're watching yeah. it and, and this is a, this is a, a, a film that um, is based on a real event that happened in a, a 90s club. Um, in a dance club, an underground dance club, uh, drugged each other, and then uh, loads of people die. Like it's it's really, really, really sad. Yeah. But it, it's kind of a little bit like being able to put something like that within a film. It's it's highlighting dance culture at that time and how people who were gay and obscure were not taken um, seriously yeah. when these horrific things happen. Mm. So yeah, like I say, it's a tough watch, but I recommend watching it. Maybe not you, Jenny. I don't think you'd like it, but no, I, I can't. I can't deal with things that are too like scary and real. It's real, yeah. I think it goes beyond horror. It's it's the horror of life that he kind of portrays, especially within Irreversible. I mean, oh, horrific. It's hard to yeah. watch, but it's it's those scenes put in film that allow people who aren't accustomed to it to actually step within the uh into that realm step yeah. within it yeah yeah and to know that actually rapes like that do happen death like that does happen you know it's yeah it's poignant yeah. while being really tough to watch yeah see this is i can't deal with stuff like that because unfortunately yeah i mean my uh, therapist from a couple of years ago pointed out that i am actually an empath so uh, my problem is i feel yeah. too many emotions especially <laughs> other people so I think that's why I struggle with some of these things. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, you'll always know that I'll at least I'll tell you about them so you don't have to experience them. She gives, <laughs> she gives me the lowdown. Uh, she gives me a watered down version. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't sleep for a week. I'd just cry. Um. <laughs> it's like, no, it's too oh. real. It's too real. I definitely want to show you that dance sequence, though. But yeah, I mean. I, I didn't really have as much of a focus on lettering as yours did because yours was really profound but I just thought I don't think many people have seen any Just For No films and sort of just bringing them to the surface allows people to just dip their toe yeah. into films that you know they wouldn't necessarily ever ever watch and because they've got such amazing editing worded sequences within them it's just it's just I just had to had to talk about it a little bit. I'm just uh, looking at the, the sequence, like screenshots of it. And one yeah. of the, I'm very curious now because what I'm reading in front of me, uh, Gasmano has apparently claimed that uh, Kanye West ripped off the opening credits for one of his music videos. So I'm quite curious oh, to see oh that my God. as well. Yeah, oh my God, how did I not talk about this? Absolutely, he did. Ooh. He absolutely did. Like you can, you can see them uh, side by side and you're like, fucking hell. But the thing is, right, there's a difference between ripping someone 
and um, using Nodding. them as inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, that's a little bit like one of the recommendations I want to talk about later on. Okay. Actually, well, we're we're kind of at that point. So <laughs> now, we are. Yeah. But yeah, that, yeah, that's great. I hope people go and do check that out, even if they can't watch the whole of the films. I hope they check out like pieces that they're interested in at least. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, if you just um, look at screenshots from Enter the Void, they are so beautiful. They they have this saturation to them. It's a French film, English speaking, shot in Tokyo with neon lights everywhere. It's fucking beautiful, at least for like the first sequence. Yeah. After he's taken his drugs and you've watched the epileptic uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, font sequence. Um, yeah. You have him walking around with his sister through nighttime Tokyo and it's all shot on film and it's sumptuous and it's gorgeous. So you could definitely watch like the first 15 minutes just before he dies. That's not a <laughs> spoiler, guys. <laughs> no, that's an integral part of the film. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, so like weird. People, that, that's just going to happen, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, after that, it's just out-of-body experiences and suddenly you're his sister and she's having sex and then you become the sperm it's really weird i'm, I'm just yeah. putting it out there yeah i remember i remember you trying to explain this to me once and i was sat there like, <laughs> what? what yeah <laughs> but this is what i mean i like bringing those little outside bits of life into <laughs> yeah into the peripherals <laughs> um but yeah so recommendations one of my recommendations is cut out for it she's an artist on like a collage artist on instagram mm -hmm. and she has very similar work to uh sharash keel do you do you know that her sharash keel just having a nose actually it's a bit of a mouth a mouth to say but she's got she's definitely got like uh sharash keel vibes to it but definitely you know she does it in her own way within her work so cut out for it if you search on instagram <laughs> you got it. Oh, it's out with a uh, with an, a zero, by the way. That will be why I can't find her. So it's cut, zero, UT, and then four, IT. So Yeah, she's cool. I follow some other artists that are very similar. I love collage artists because I, I used to do a lot of collage in um, sixth form, didn't I? And at college, I was quite into doing collage. It's got this wonderful, like, um, glistening uh, glitter vibe with sort of, you know, otherworldly clouds like it, she she really wonderfully layers up imagery together amazingly and yeah it's beautiful i think she 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 stumbled across my account um and then i was like oh my god you're amazing so i just like instantly followed her back and i keep mm -hmm. i mean i shared some of her stuff today but the um the thing that i was going to tell you which is a little bit like the kanye west thing the lady that reminds me which i was reminded of was sharash keel um and basically she did a whole thing about how was it like lady gaga or beyonce or someone ripped off her artwork mm. sharash keel i like saying that and um, she does these glittery studded pieces she's got over like a million followers she's really really big and she put a post up about how yeah lady gaga was doing these crying glitter tears within one of her yeah. videos and she was saying this is what i did you're stealing my idea um but obviously most of the time it you know it wouldn't be lady gaga herself it would be like sort of the art team but you know she kind of had a little bit of a an annoyance about it which would irritate you but the thing is it's like where does inspiration and plagiarism cross the line you know what i mean it's not the same thing but it has elements that are similar but yeah that was the thing that i wanted to talk about but yeah cut out for it 
totally recommend, she's great. And also um, this other person, which goes very hand in hand with like the neon signs, which yeah. is a Scottish neon sign maker called Solas Neon. So it's like S-O-L-A-S-N-E-O-N. And I just want all of his signs. Oh my God, they are the coolest things ever. <laughs> oh my God, I'm in love. Right, oh my God, I want I want to buy one from him and have just Rosie La in neon. Oh my God, my dream in life is to be a famous artist and to have a neon sign with my name on it. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's a great aspiration. Right? And totally, yeah. well, at least half of that is easy to do, right? <laughs> we'll just get you a sign. That would be so cool. That's what I dream of if ever I go to like a Comic-Con and have my own stool. I definitely want to have a neon sign that says Rosie La. And maybe like erotica here, you know? <laughs> All right, so it'd be like a sign in Amsterdam. Like, oh my God, that's exactly it. <laughs> All right, like points down. <laughs> yep, yep, that's, that's my dream. It's gonna happen. I think that's a brilliant dream. Mm -hmm. I also desperately want to go to Amsterdam. So when this is all over, can we please go? Yes, we can, because you've never been and I've been twice. I know, oh, it's been one of the places that I've been desperately wanting to go to for fucking years. And then the one year, like this year, as I'm turning 30, I'm like, oh, I wanna go traveling. I wanna see this, I wanna do this. I wanna get tattoos. I wanna go to Korea and then bam. Nope, you're grounded. Anyway, what uh, recommendations did you have, Juniper? So my recommendation, inspired by the theme, painted words. So I've gone for the traditional words, so I've gone for another poet. Oh! We all know how much I love a good poet. You do. Uh, he is called John Lupin, and he's known as the Poetry Bandit. And you can find him on Instagram. Oh, I think I've seen what you've shared of him. Yeah, I've definitely shared lots of his work, so... My recommendation is his book, which is called My Sober Little Moon. I just love poetry books. I just love poetry. I've given him a follow. Yeah, it's just some good ones in there. Some of them are longer. Some of them are like the shorter ones. So, yeah. you know, I've spoken about lots of different poets. But if you, you know, if you like supporting somebody and you're able to buy their work, then do so. Whether it's an artist, a poet, a filmmaker, go for it. Absolutely. Have you got a poem that you want to read? I have selected just a very short one that I thought you'd like. This one is called Softly. Touch me softly like you would a newborn. For now I know I am truly alive. The sweat and the sweetness tell me I am. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, I thought you'd like that one. Oh, so tender. You feel that softness when he's talking, you know? Well, I was so weird. I say he's talking, but essentially he is. He's talking through you with his words. It's not you, it's him. <laughs> yep. I'm a ventriloquist. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so that's my recommendation this week. So, well, again, these will all be linked on our Instagram, so you can go and check all these marvellous people out. Of course, yeah. And the weird cutscenes that I'm going to show you. Yep. <laughs> Enjoy, and you're going to enjoy them weird cutscenes, folks. Get ready for a mindfuck. Oh, yeah. I always love to post those. I did, I did post a cute one earlier though. I posted a scene from Shape of Water where you see the, 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 the deep lagoon creature wanting to play music. It's lovely. Anyway, I guess uh, on the way out now, aren't we? Yep. Are we? Are we? We're, yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> we did it. We did it. And you nailed your piece. So well done. Um, so yeah, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll sign off now. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you soon, guys. We hope you enjoyed our Painted Word episode. 
We're yeah. hoping we'll keep them well and not going too mad from being stuck in. So take care. Yep, wear the face mask when you need to. Wash yep. your hands when you need to. Take a nap when you need to. That is essential. Yep, definitely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we love you and uh, we're going to say goodbye. Yeah, we'll see what you think, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you.